Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. This classic edition is sponsored by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. We hope you enjoy this session recorded several years ago at the Molin Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard, and we are looking forward to a program today. It's full of guests and topics and music. Here, the second half of the program is you, Michael. Yeah, but but it's still a good program, right, Wayne? <laughs> it's an excellent program, I feel. You said we have some good guests. Yeah. Yes. Randy Elkhorn is going to be here talking about when grace and truth come together, and Chester Thompson is going oh, to stop man. by the studio today. Chester is uh, one of the best-known uh, drum drummers and percussionists, uh, really, in the country. Play with Phil Collins and Frank Zappa, and yeah. and he's just a precious brother. Loves the Lord, yeah. and he's going to drop by and talk to us. We're going to have you sing some music, both in the first half and mostly in the second half of the program here today. Here's an email from Becky in Michigan. She says, thank you so much for this program. I was inspired again by each of the gentlemen that have gone home to be with our Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done those programs with our brothers who have departed, yeah. and she says, I really identify with John Eves. I was diagnosed with cancer in February. I've gone through chemo and have radiation starting this week. God has taught me so much about his love and care for us. I've learned to trust him. Satan's been attacking me lately, so I figured I'd take a walk today and listen to the most recent program on my iPod. I was uplifted, she says. Thank you for allowing God to direct you and putting that program out there for wow. all of us. Wow. Uh, the timing, Bill Lane used to always say, timing is of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have an email I'd, I'd like to read. Okay. And the subject line said, says, Wayne is great. <laughs> wow. Well, I didn't want to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to the June 21st podcast where Mike read an email from Jeremy thanking Wayne for his ability to really glue the program together. It's really true. Wayne's personality is just as much a part of as all these famous artists being interviewed. I can tell when he keeps the ball rolling, when it's time to move on, and also the time to let people talk a little more when it gets personal. Anyway, in the studio, ought to have Wayne's name in there. Uh, wait, wait, so hold on now. Hold Let's on not now. go too far. Let's not go overboard, huh? Uh, somewhere, because it, it's really a, a complete team effort. Thanks, Wayne. Well, And that's from Jeremy. And Jeremy, you well, are absolutely right. Thank you, Jeremy. We do yeah. have a good time around here, hey, don't Hey, I'll we? change it to in the studio with Wayne Shepard <laughs> any, any time you want to. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Let's move on. Uh, I think we should take a vote. You know, I think you should sing a song. <laughs> okay. How about King of Love? Will you sing that one for us? Yeah, this is a... a I, I had sung this song for some time before I realized it's a it's a uh, an adaptation of Psalm 23. <laughs> That's how dense I am. <laughs> so you'll listen in in knowing that from the front end. I think it it'll be interesting. This is the 23rd Psalm. In the studio with us is John Ketchings joining you on the cello on this song. The King of Love, my Shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am His, and He is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul He leadeth, and where the Celestial feedeth, perverse and fool. 
Michael and John. They're on the cello today in the studio with Michael Card. Our guest is Randy Elkhorn. Uh, We spoke with Randy last week about his book, The Grace and Truth Paradox. I've appreciated Randy's books, uh, the book on heaven that uh, was so helpful in tracking with Scripture and what it really says about heaven, uh, Safely Home. Michael, I know that uh, that's a book you've Mm -hmm. you've heard about. uh, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This, uh, what the persecution is like in China. Steve Green gave me that book. That that was a book that impacted his life. Well, Randy's on the line with us. And welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks. Great to be with you. (laughs) The Grace and Truth Paradox is one of these books. I don't know if it's a series or not, but I know it's similar in size and scope to The Treasure Principle, which many people are familiar with, Randy. Right. It's, uh, it's been fun that uh, the Grace and Truth Paradox, the Purity Principle, and the Treasure Principle, all in that same uh, small format, uh, easily passed along. And it's just been fun to see them get into the hands of many people, uh, not only in this country, but around the world. So, Well, you challenge us to find this Christ-like balance between grace and truth. We, we started to talk about this last week. We want to continue that today. And one thing that came up last week was the Lord's loving kindness, which, mm-hmm. Michael, you've done quite a study on in Scripture. Yeah, we were talking before the program started uh, with Randy just about the, the, the Hebrew Old Testament concept of, of, of hesed, loving kindness, which is about 250 times in the Hebrew Bible, and uh, the idea that that comes into the New Testament uh, as grace, and as, as Randy pointed out last week, uh, the two sort of defining characteristics of Jesus in John 1 are that he is full of grace and truth. Exactly. I mean, and, and you think of Jesus being full of grace and truth, mm-hmm. and not 50% grace and 50% <laughs> truth, and, and sort of let's sort of balance these back and forth. There is certainly the need for balance in our lives, but mm-hmm. he's 100% truth and 100% grace, and, and how that works out in our lives, it's, it's not like, okay, we're facing a certain situation. Well, let's forget about grace, because this situation does not Needs. call for yeah. grace, or this situation does not call for truth. Now, every situation calls for grace and truth. Now, sometimes, for instance, when we're speaking the truth to someone in love, I recently had to sit down with a fellow writer and uh, having read uh, one of his novels and, and uh, seen some things in it that were just seemed to me to be pretty clear theological error. This guy's a friend, and, 
you know, let's talk this through because let's just be faithful to the Word. So I'm speaking the truth in love. So maybe the emphasis was on truth, but I tried to say it in humility, removing the log from my eye before I attempted to remove the speck from his eye because the situation not only called for sharing truth, but sharing grace. Earlier you, you were speaking of the, the, the balance between grace and truth, but the book's called the, the Grace and Truth Paradox, so I'm assuming that there's tension, too, between the two. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, it's, it's interesting because I've gotten some uh, letters from people who have said, well, why did you call this a paradox? Because the two really aren't contradictory. And, I, and you know, my response is, that's my whole point. Uh, mm-hmm. A paradox is not a contradiction. A paradox is an apparent contradiction, one which we can't always figure out, and one which, as you said, has a tension to it. Mm-hmm. And we have to pay attention to that tension and make sure that we accurately reflect both God's truth and God's grace in every situation we face. In parenting, um, I, I coach uh, high school guys tennis. Uh, I have to apply the principles of grace and truth with these guys all the time. I, I have to, on the one hand, encourage them, and if they violated some team rule, but it's uh, maybe a secondary one, I have to sit down with them, bring the truth to them, but also extend grace, say, hey, I'm on your team, we're going to be rooting for you, even if you have to sit out the next match. So, you know, so you got truth, you got grace, and it really, it, it applies to, to everything. Randy, would you take us to Scripture? I'm thinking of John chapter 8, uh, the woman caught in adultery. And that, I mean, if Jesus is the perfect embodiment of grace and truth, this is, certainly comes through in this passage loud and clear, doesn't it? Well, exactly, because here you have a woman who Christ in his grace prevents her uh, from being you know, stoned to death, put to death by these people, let him as without sin cast the first stone. On the other hand, then, when we think, oh, this is all grace, he says, go and sin no more. And by saying sin no more, he is confronting her with the reality of her sin. She was wrong in what she had done, and he is calling upon her in a spirit of truth to live a life that is honoring to God. Hmm. But he is doing it in the context of grace, in which he saved her life. So which is it? Is it grace or is it truth in John 8? Well, it's both. So in that one statement in verse 11, really in one breath, when he says, I don't condemn you, that's grace, but sin no more, that's truth. So he really combines those really even in one sentence. Exactly. Yeah, wow. So how do we live up to that? How do we find this balance point? Well, I think we look for opportunities, and every day brings it to us. And I think I, I often am conscious of this paradigm of grace and truth, and the importance of bringing both to a situation. We're dealing with a difficult situation at our church right now, uh, where there's just a lot of hurting people, as there are in all of our churches, and trying to help uh, some people who have divided relationships, and there's a rift that has developed between families, and what do you do, and what do you say? And you've got to tell people the truth and confront them with their selfishness, uh, with the fact that they are not thinking and living to the glory of God, uh, that one of the seven deadly sins is uh, you know, sowing discord among brethren and bearing false witness is another, and all of this. And so you have to, to deal with all that. And at the same time, say, you know, Jesus went to the cross, so that we could be reconciled not only to God, but to each other. The first and greatest commandment, to love God with all of our hearts, and then to love 
the second that comes out of it, to love our neighbor as ourself, and, and showing people that the grace of God forgives them for their sin, brings healing to their situation, and empowers them. And I, and I think one place you see that is in Titus where it says the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And so we think of, oh, well, no, the truth is about saying no to ungodliness. No, well, the grace actually teaches us and empowers us to say no to unrighteousness. You know, Michael, as I think about this this uh, tension, if you will, grace and truth, I think of the church in China. You know, I've had a little bit of experience there. You've traveled occasionally uh-huh. and seen it yourself. I think of the church in, in China that exhi- you know, preaches the truth, the underground church preaches the truth, but they're so gracious to those who would persecute them. Yeah, they seem to have incarnated these two things uh, in ways that we don't understand yet in the U.S. Yeah, Randy, I'm, I know that you have been an observer of that, too. Right. I developed those themes, actually, in, in my novel, Safely Home, because there is this beautiful balance, maybe isn't exactly the right word, but, it, but in their fullness, truth and grace, often seen among people, churches in persecuted nations, and certainly in China. And of course, one of the great needs in China right now is to protect the orthodoxy, sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so truth is an issue. But when people come to the truth, they respond to all the truth they know. Often there's more truth they need to learn. Always there's more truth they need to learn. It's true for all of us. But they respond to that truth as they learn it in phenomenal ways. And if God's Word says something, they live it out. And mm-hmm. it's such a, an example and such a rebuke to me, because I think, well, you know, I've known this truth for a long time, but I don't think I've lived it out that radically. Yeah. Maybe we haven't all been put in the context where we're, we're forced to live it, uh, live it out quite to that d- degree. Right. Um, exactly. Well, Randy, uh, we're coming to the uh, close of our time together, there's the story that you tell in the end of the book that I would I would just like to hear you tell of of a of a rescue that you were involved in uh, in Alaska. I'd love to hear that story. Well, this was uh, back when my oldest daughter was ten years old, and I was up speaking in Alaska to missionaries in Palmer, Alaska. Then we were going to our friend's house. He was a missionary up on the in Galena in central Alaska on the the Yukon River. And my friend Barry Arnold was uh, flying this little plane, and I was in uh, the front uh, with him. And then in the back seats were his daughter Andrea and my oldest daughter Karina. And then my wife Nancy and our daughter Angela and the rest of Barry's family were flying up separately in a uh, a larger plane. And we were supposed to arrive roughly about the same time, though we were going slightly different routes. Uh, up in Galena. Well, we didn't show up there, uh, and from their end of things, uh, it looked like we had crashed. We certainly didn't have enough gas to still be up in the air and all that. What happened from our point of view was that the engine went out in this single-engine plane. Wow. And it went out where two uh, mountainsides met down at the bottom, and there was only a river uh, and that was it, and there was just no place to land, apparently. But by God's grace and by the skill of uh, my friend Barry, the missionary pilot, 
uh, God provided a little strip for us uh, that he had remembered going over. We, we went, we landed. Mm. But what was interesting is once we had landed, and it, it's getting dark, and uh, it's now getting close to midnight, and we had come down like at 4.30, and we thought we had sleeping bags. Fortunately, had those, and we were ready to spend the night there, but there were wild animals around, and, you know, you're with your two 10-year-old daughters, and that kind of makes it... Uh, an adventure, uh, and the bottom line of the thing is, there's planes that are flying overhead, and but they're so far up, and there's no way we can reach them, and they're not listening to our radio frequencies. And finally, uh, we were found by a, a, a pilot, a plane pilot, but he said, no way can we land down there. Nobody in their right mind would land a plane down there, even though my friend just had. <laughs> uh, they had to get a search-and-rescue helicopter, and I will never forget this huge search and rescue helicopter coming down the same time they used to transport troops out of battle, you know, who are wounded. This thing coming down from the sky and the screams of joy and delight <laughs> on, for these two 10-year-old girls. And I'm thinking, here we are, lost in the wilderness, stranded, trapped in a remote ravine. Nobody can hear us. There's no way out. Left to ourselves, we're going to die. And God intervenes for us because that's our human condition. He rescues us and that's what the grace and truth of God is all about. Fabulous. Randy, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. One thing about being in the studio with you every week is all the new friends that we meet who mm-hmm. come by this place out in the woods here. I don't know how they find us, but somehow they find us, mm-hmm. don't they? Actually, uh, I, this next guest was here years ago dropping off a brother, Chris, who played bass for us. I mean, that, it was funny. I, I, when I asked him to come out, he said, oh, I've been to your place before. I said, really? When? It's about 15 years ago. <laughs> Jester Thompson, welcome. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Glad to be here. Welcome Thanks. to the Mole Inn Studio. <laughs> You're no stranger to a studio, though, are you? No, I've been in a few. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement, Michael. Yeah, well, as, as we introduce who, who Chester is, I think, uh, I think a lot of you will be uh, uh, familiar with a lot of the uh, things he's played on before. But Chester and I were at a worship conference together. We actually never spent any time together. And uh, when I found out he was there and saw him uh, encouraging uh, young drummers and percussionists, um, mentoring, kind of in the role of a, a mentor or discipling, I asked him if he'd come be on the program and talk to us about how his uh, faith has impacted his uh, creativity. Great. Sorry, we don't have any tools of the trade here for you today. But <laughs> I bet you've got quite a quite an arsenal. Uh, yeah, over the years, I've accumulated a few things. Yeah. How did you start? Oh, goodness. Um, I just remember getting to be around... I thought around you know, 10 or 11 years old, I just had to play the drums. You were uh, one of those kids, huh? <laughs> well, my mom showed me one of those what you're going to do when you grow up letters uh, written, I guess, the fourth grade, which meant I must have been nine at the time. And I saw it. She showed me that, and I just broke down like a baby. Really? Uh, it outlined almost everything I've ever done. Wow. Isn't this, that interesting? Yeah, it's such it a young age. totally blew me away. I mean, I didn't even remember being interested at that age, but I guess I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that was in Baltimore. Yes. Yeah. Was there a music scene around there that you were exposed to pretty regularly? Not at that age. Yeah. Uh, as well, when I was growing up, um, well, the, the first official lessons there was a family friend who was a really good jazz drummer, and 
he made the mistake of telling me I could come over his house whenever I wanted for a lesson. <laughs> and uh, so the one summer between, I guess, sort of eighth and ninth grade, I was just at his house every morning by nine o'clock. Wow. And he'd get up and cook breakfast, and we'd sit at the drums most of the day. And wow. mostly working on jazz stuff, mostly learning. Uh, he was teaching me how to play along. You know, we'd play along with stuff, and he'd sort of teach me what to play and what to listen for. And and uh, it was pretty amazing because it was stuff like Miles Davis and Cannonball Adley, you know, uh-huh. and all the wow. heavyweight stuff. But the stuff on the radio was probably a lot simpler in those days, uh, early James Brown, early Motown, stuff like that. Uh-huh. And one day at his house, someone called him for a job, but he really only enjoyed playing jazz. And he was about to hang up, and then he turns around and asks me, do you want a gig? And it's like, well, of course, you know. So How old were you? I was 13 at the time. Oh. And wow. uh, so he loaned me his drums to go and audition with these guys. That they liked the way I played. And so the family sort of banded together, and I had one uncle with enough credit to get a drum set. So, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> paid him back, and huh. that's that's kind of how it started. Wow. Uh, it seems like you learned more than just uh, percussion from him, though. I mean, it's, uh, from what I've heard, you learned how to mentor people as well. Well, he was real good with me. I mean, I, that was my first introduction to any kind of instruction but it, he was like I say he was one of my older brother's best friends so it wasn't like a teacher student uh-huh. but it was yeah mm-hmm. and you know I didn't have a dad so um you know so yeah he definitely helped in a lot of areas mm-hmm. yeah. well did you grow up in a Christian home when when did you come to know who, who Jesus well is? I was baptized at about 11 um a Baptist church my mom had been a member of for years and years uh, really wanted to be baptized. Uh, there wasn't really a discipleship program as I understand it now. And I guess by the time I was, you know, I played every single weekend from that time, from 13 on through high school when I, when I started traveling. And unfortunately, a couple of times my mom gave me the option of getting up, going to church after having played till two in the morning. And so I would sometimes would choose not to go, which looking back, I kind of if I know what I know now, then. Mm-hmm. But, so I kind of walked away and thought I was hip and 70s and cool and all of that. Um, ended up kind of walking away. My wife and I uh, ended up receiving the Lord as adults because she grew up as an Episcopal church in, I guess, different terms, but, you know, but she kind of made that same choice around, around 11 years old. And we both were out working, you know, touring all the time, you know, not together, but, you know. Um, so after we got married, I had a real dear friend that I'd known from years before, Abraham Laboriel, who plays on a mm-hmm. lot of wonderful uh, Christian and secular things. And they had a home group, so we started coming to their home group and, you know, ended up coming to the Lord. That was back in 1980, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm. We haven't really listed Chester's credentials here. We don't need to do that, I guess, just to say that he's one of these guys who just, Lord has blessed his talent and his gifts and his, who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was there a time when there was a conflict between music and, and the Lord? I mean, were you the, one of those guys that loved music so much that there was a conflict? I don't think so. No, I was never in any doubt as to where it came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, the search for me as an adult I was playing with a band called Weather Report, and I was so aware that, you know, they were, this band was just pretty unusual. They were pretty amazing. And things would happen on stage that you couldn't possibly predict. We would do things together with no discussion, no warning, that would just 
I was amazed. It was mm. like, oh my goodness. Mm. But I became increasingly aware of the empty loneliness of the hotel room after the show. And I just, and I was like, okay, I know that what happened on stage is only through God, just because there's one unifying spirit, regardless of who believed what. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was God that, that allowed, you know, the only way that could happen. And I really wanted that in my everyday life, not just on stage. So I started a pretty um, confused search, but I started searching. I started looking into meditation. At one point, uh, someone had introduced us to this guru kind of guy, and we checked that out thinking, oh, that must be it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lord is faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, when he revealed himself to us... um, you know, I think I think a lot of that was so we'd know the real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. What's life like today? Well, <laughs> life today is pretty interesting, actually. Uh, I had toured and did a lot of things with big sort of big groups, I guess, uh, Genesis being the longest mm-hmm. time spent. And, and to be honest, I felt like that was all over. I mean, coming to Nashville was a real shift in a lot of ways. My nickname for Nashville is the Refiner's Fire mm-hmm. because so many people I meet that come here that the Lord has called, they come here with all these things in place. In almost every case, it all falls apart and they have to depend on the Lord. Mm. And that sort of happened with us as well. Doesn't surprise you, Michael, does it? <laughs> uh, I, well, I've, just, I've heard that story so many times. Oh, I, yeah. yeah I especially mean, from musicians. I mean, I've heard of musicians, big big touring musicians who mm-hmm. really had it all together, and, and it comes to Nashville, and, and stuff doesn't <laughs> work like it used to work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, and we, we just laugh every time we meet somebody and they start telling us what they're going through. It's like, you know, okay, we got to explain ourselves. Here we don't we mean go to again. laugh, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, so a lot of that kind of thing I just thought was dead and gone forever. And, you know, okay, Lord, you know, and to be honest, I'd probably become pretty useless. Um, hmm. You know, one, one thing I've noticed, you know, when you give the Lord permission, you know, to, to act in your life, then he does it. And without realizing it, I think I had kind of gotten sidetracked. Um, I always felt like, well, I know the Lord is my source, my provision and all that. But I I think some of what we had became personal. I think it got to be where, well, this is ours, you know, mm-hmm. and without even realizing we were being sucked into that kind of. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lord just needed to sort of strip us down and get us back on track. Refiner's you know? fires, you yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, for as, as hard as it was, I mean, I wouldn't trade it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, like I said, after, so after a few years, you know, suddenly I ended up touring again and doing doing the big gigs again. And I mean, it's it's still such a weird cycle because I still don't know what's next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Chester, thank you. I'm sorry our time has been so brief here in the studio today. Well, I hope you'll come back sometime, though. Oh, we can I'm, talk again. I would love to. Come back Come back when you can bring some stuff and um, oh, man. We'll get hmm. Kirk or somebody to come to play so we can... Uh, wow, that'd I be wouldn't, awesome. I wouldn't <laughs> pretend to strum guitar along with you playing, but we, <laughs> we can get somebody here who can play with you. We'll get oh, this man. room booming, huh? Yeah. Wow, that'd be awesome. It'd be fun. Thanks, man. Thank you. We're going to pause our session right there as we come to the halfway point of this session. We hope you'll stop by the Michael Card Music Facebook page and interact with other listeners about what you're learning in this session. Or you can reach us directly when you send your comments and song requests or questions via email. Write to us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Again, inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Well, there's much more teaching and insights like what you've just heard when you check out Michael's books and music. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. 
More music and conversation coming your way after this message here in the studio with Michael Card. I'm glad we're partnering with the CSB. I got to see firsthand the way godly scholars work together on this Bible translation. There's so many types of editions available. I hope you'll find one that will help you get serious about reading God's Word. This month we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Based on the best-selling Experiencing God book and Bible study, this revised and updated edition includes immersive features that challenge you to respond to the invitation God offers to know Him, His purposes, and His ways. When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Now, when you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Take the steps to discovering God in a personal and life-changing way. Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. We are back in the studio with Michael Card. You know, Michael, I enjoy our conversations here in the studio. You yep. know that. I do. I love talking to you. I enjoy our friendship, and I enjoy the guests that come by, but sometimes you just got to hear more music on the program. Well, we can, we can do that. <laughs> okay. We can help you with that. Now, I know you've been traveling a lot and touring a lot this summer. With yeah, concerts. I've been playing a lot. A lot of camps. A lot of <laughs> out, out in, uh, playing out in, with mosquitoes. <laughs> well, here's the idea. Let's just spend this whole half hour of the program just... You at the piano. Okay. Let's just ask you to sing these songs for us. Okay. You can, you can choose what you want to sing. So. Well, yeah, I'll play my my favorite songs of this this moment trip. Yeah, that we've been playing. <laughs> yeah, songs that I actually know. All right. Yeah. This will be our summer concert here yeah. with Michael Card in the studio. And what are you going to start with? Well, this first song is uh, from the life of Peter. This is the the Cornelius yeah. incident where Peter uh, goes and preaches the gospel to Cornelius and his people, that, and resulting in. Uh, what we call the Gentile Pentecost. Every time I read an Acts, I think of this now. I'm not yeah. supposed to be here. Yeah. It was his final word as we walked beside the sea. Where you don't want to go I knew that he would test my faith And all that I believed But just how far then I could never know He would send a vision Then once more beside the sea To a rooftop where my ecstasy was seen To ask what was unaskable Three times the vision came and demanded I embrace what was unclean You know I'm not supposed to be here To cross the line no one has crossed before To simply be one of the fools that you call to break the rules And to go someplace I'm not supposed to be faith responded to what my mind said wasn't right so I left that place and followed in a dream to find unfamiliar strangers who were hungry for the light then I realized that no one is unclean 
serve some fallen conquered king who took up the cross and bled when he broke himself for bread in a place where he was not supposed to be I'm not supposed to be To go someplace I'm not supposed to be To go someplace I'm not supposed to be Michael Card in the studio. I'm not supposed to be here. We've missed how fundamentally weird that would have been for yeah. Peter to have to, you know, everything he believed. Yeah, when and he gets he he's perfectly, you know, God does everything perfectly. He perfectly sets him up for it with the vision of the sheet coming down the yeah. night before and kill and eat. And Peter goes, I mean, no way. I've I've never touched. I've never eaten anything unclean. Well, that song, as I listen to you singing here in the studio, again reminds me of how that's what you do. You you take a scripture like that and you really bring it to life for us. You help us kind of see behind the scene, so to speak. Well, I, I take a scripture and I and I say it so obtusely <laughs> that people say, where is that? And then they have to go look it up. And if whether they agree with me or not, I win. If they open the Bible, I win. So, <laughs> Michaelcard.com or obtuse.com. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, what are you going to do next? Well, this is a song that um, gets, gets uh, more questions. Uh, from uh, people af- after after the concert, people, you know, where can I get that? What's that song about? Where did it come from? That sort of thing. Uh, this song is called "Come Lift Up Your Sorrows," oh, and it good. was uh, it really is an invitation to lament. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've turned to this on my iPod and listened over and over yeah. again. And I wrote that on this piano right here with uh, with Vance Taylor, our you know our hero Vance, uh, playing uh, some of the really cool chords in this song. Yeah. So, well, listen for that invitation to lament. We'll listen for it as you play it and sing yeah. it. Sitting uh, F.
us so badly that hurts so yeah. much and to offer that back as a sacrifice yeah sometimes the most precious thing you have to offer to the lord is the thing that hurts you the most and uh i think that's a that's an encouraging word for those of us who feel like second-class spiritual citizens sometimes <laughs> all right well, let's get the music going here what, what's okay next? well this is uh 
I tell people this is my Psalm 51. There's a Psalm 51 where David confesses his sin and and basically asks uh, God to do everything. You created me a clean heart. You renew a right spirit with me. You're the one who's going to have to put my life back together. And so this this for me is is sort of my Psalm 51. Uh, it's called I Will Not Walk Away. says, never will I leave you yep. or forsake you. Yeah, it's good news, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the thing we need the most is what he wants the most. We, mm-hmm. He wants to be with us. He wants to be present with us. And, uh, and that's what I need the most. Don't walk away. You know, and the, the only reason I can make this commitment to not walk away is he's not walked. 
he's committed to not walk away from me. That's right. Yeah, and that's good news. That's for, a good news. For all time. Uh, speaking of all time, uh, will you do New Jerusalem for us? Yeah, that was the last one I was going to do. Okay, yeah. I, I thought you might say that. So uh, with your permission, I've got uh, Revelation 21. Well, let, let me set it up. Okay. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's you know, pr- practically the end of the New Testament, or the end of the Bible, right? The last, the last uh, really the climax of the Bible is Re- Revelation 21. And and what what you're about to read us is the fulfillment of the deepest desire of God's heart. Um, you know what's the law for? What's the purpose of the law? In Leviticus twenty six twelve, the 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 reward for keeping the law, God says, "I'll walk with them, and be their God, and they'll be my people." That's what the law was for. That's what the tabernacle was for to for God to be with His people. That's what the temple was for. That's what the incarnation was for. I mean, that's why we call. His incarnation name really is Emmanuel, our God with us. Practically the last words from his mouth were, Behold, I'll, I am with you always. And um, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, um, I don't have words for the, for the emotion of reading what you're about to read and realizing that, that of all that we have put God through at the end, he gets what he wants. And I don't know where to stop reading, so you just stop me because well, this is, this is just so wonderful. It keeps going and gets better and better. Yeah. But I'll, I'll stop maybe after three or four of these verses in Revelation whenever, twenty-one. And whenever the Spirit tells you, and to then stop. ask you to sing uh, New Jerusalem yeah. for us. Uh, this is uh, Revelation chapter twenty-one. John says, "And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea." Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What a picture, huh? And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I can't stop, Michael. (laughs) Then he sat on the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I saw the holy city Descending from the sky So brilliant with the light of God The city is His bride There is no temple in this town No sun, no moon, no lamp For God's own glory is its light Illuminated by the Lamb And God Himself will wipe the tears From every weeping eye No death, no pain, no mourning cry And every tear may dry And now our God will dwell with them 
the new Jerusalem And he himself will walk with them The new Jerusalem And so let all of those who thirst Come now and drink for free And to the ones who overcome Come now and you will see Behold the old has passed away Now everything is new The Alpha and Omega's words Are trustworthy and so true And God himself will wipe the tears From every weeping eye No death, no pain, no mourning cry And every tear may dry And now our God will dwell with them The new Jerusalem And he himself will walk with them The new me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Mm-hmm. That's the end. That's the, where the end <laughs> that starts with the, 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 the bite of the apple in the garden. Uh, and, and that's the conclusion. And uh, there he was in the very beginning in the garden, wanting to just simply be with them, wanted to, to, to give them and share with them his presence. And uh, the, the, the sort of pathos at the end of God finally getting what he he desires the most. And it's a mystery why he wants it. I guess that question we'll never answer. And it causes us to worship, though, that he does. Yeah, it, ca- it causes uh, us to do a lot of things, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like maybe think about obedience or, or loving <laughs> well or so. all those things. Michael, thank you. Thank you, Wayne. It's fun to sit in this little room and play these songs for you and because uh, I know you're on my side right or wrong. Even if I mess up, you're uh, you're on my side. We're so glad you sat in with us for this classic session in the studio. Stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. And we're glad to point you to the wonderful resources from our sponsors of the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month, we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Based on the insights from Dr. Henry Blackaby's teaching, this unique study Bible is designed to help you experience God personally. When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible. 
Now, when you order, use the promotion code CARD40, type with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. Join us again next week for another podcast session. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We're glad you've been with us in the studio with Michael Card.